This is the 12 Songs of Christmas. Today, with the Goo Goo Dolls. I'm Alex Rawls, and this is my podcast about Christmas music. I'm recording this on Election Day, so there's nothing I'd rather focus my attention on than Christmas music and this podcast. I've talked to a number of musicians this season who talk about how making music has been normalizing this year. And that's applied for me, too, as we live through not only COVID-19, but the presidential election. Here in New Orleans, we can also add Hurricane Zeta to that, which left us without electricity for two days and a good chunk of the city, including a few polling locations, still lack power. This year just won't stop being this year. But Halloween is over, which means Christmas records are now being released in greater number. Last Friday, we got new Christmas records from the Goo Goo Dolls and Tori Kelly, who are the subjects of today's show. I recently had a good talk with John Resnick of the Goo Goo Dolls about their first Christmas album, It's Christmas All Over, but first, I want to spend a few minutes on a Tori Kelly Christmas. As a dad, my introduction to her was as the voice of Mina, the shy elephant in Sing, who literally brings down the house with her version of Stevie Wonder's Don't You Worry About a Thing. But she introduced herself to the world on YouTube and American Idol, where, say what you will about the show, the machine, and the phenomenon, singers there could really sing. And as Kelly's albums have shown, she can really sing, having drawn understandable comparisons to Mariah Carey for her range and vocal power. A Tori Kelly Christmas reminds you of Kelly's sing credentials by including her version of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, which has somehow become a Christmas song, perhaps because the title can be found in a hymn. Since I've always found the song to be an older man's song, so much so that even Leonard Cohen had to grow into it, Kelly's take doesn't speak to me, but not because she lacks commitment or effort. It's also the one misstep on a Tori Kelly Christmas, which is never that ponderous again. For the most part, Kelly stays charmingly in an easy R&B pop place, in part because the album was produced by Kenny Babyface Edmonds, and because that's clearly Kelly's comfort zone. The songs groove effortlessly, so much so that when Let It Snow borrows its swing from countless versions recorded before she was born, Kelly moves in playfully. The arrangements leave room for her voice so that Kelly can go from hushed intimacy to exuberant octave-climbing runs without stress or traffic. Her version of Donny Hathaway's is Christmas borders on too light, but by the end, I'm there-ish. For me, the two barometers for a Christmas album is whether or not I'll put it on and listen to it all the way through, and that's a yes, and how many songs I can hear on Christmas mixes, which is my preferred way to hear Christmas music during the season. I can imagine a good half of this album showing up that way, and I particularly like her groove on Sleigh Ride and the two originals, Gift That Keeps On Giving and 25th. From a Tori Kelly Christmas, this is 25th. Don't you know that Christmas would be incomplete? No, my- 
This year they recorded It's Christmas All Over, which also leans heavily on the body of previously recorded Christmas songs, but a different set. The Goo Goo Dolls cover Tom Petty, Louis Prima, Alvin and the Chipmunks, and more, in addition to the very Goo Goo Dolls-like original This Is Christmas. The album doesn't sound quite like any other Goo Goo Dolls album, but it certainly makes sense as a document of the breadth of their inspirations. And it's a lot of fun. I talked with Resnick recently in the middle of what I expect was a morning of press as he settled into some kind of office space for a number of Zoom calls. Still, Zoom is everybody's 2020 office and interview space, me included, but it explains why he sounds a little bit like he's far from his mic. It's because he is. Anyway, here's my conversation with the Goo Goo Dolls' John Resnick. What was your relationship to Christmas music growing up? Um, I always loved Christmas music because of uh, everything that it, it signified, you know? It's like we were, you know, it was going to be Christmas soon and there would be presents and, you know, lots of good food and, and cookies and all that. And <clears throat> it, um, it, just, it just, you know, it, it was this soundtrack you know, for the whole thing, you know, it was, right. it was really a lot of fun. I just remember being a kid and making cookies with, with my mom and my sisters and, uh, you know, just having like a Dean Martin uh, Christmas album playing in the back because that's what she liked, you know. Was there a point as a teenager where you started to find Christmas music corny and, had a, and couldn't connect to it as well? Um... When I was, well, when I was a teenager, yeah, I was, I was an indie rock snob, you know, so maybe the waitresses, you know, that uh, Christmas wrapping, maybe that's as far as I would go. But, but I mean, I still, you know, I still, I still had a soft spot in my heart for, for all that. Was there a point where you, where you sort of got past that? I mean, I went through the same thing, which part of what I ask is I, I kind of figure as, you know, my background is rock and roll as well and was punk rock guy. I actually was a punk rock guy in Hamilton, Ontario when you were in Buffalo, so. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, that's yeah. cool. So, uh, but anyway, but I went through a lot of the same experience that I, as, a, as I sort of found rock and roll in my music that suddenly my parents' music meant a lot, le- you know, it seemed awfully, uh, you know, that seemed, kind of, seemed pretty cold, uh, pretty corny. Was there yeah. a point where you kind of refound your relationship or found a, 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 a new relationship to Christmas music? I, I think once I hit my mid-20s, uh, mid to late 20s, I just sort of thought, you know, okay, I don't have to try so hard to be cool. Uh, you know, so, so and, I, and I still loved Christmas. I mean, I loved Christmas, you know, the whole time, uh, uh, you know, when I was 
too cool for school, but uh, I, um, you know, I, I just, I was, I, you know, was, I was, that was my first marriage and, and, uh, you know, my, my ex-wife really liked Christmas a lot. So, so I kind of got right back into it, you know, and, uh, and the music became even more important to me, you know. Are there, cha- what challenges did you deal with as a rock band? trying to make a Christmas album? Um, <laughs> being able to uh, physically perform uh, <laughs> these songs. It was ridiculous. So, you know, um, we got some help from, from um, you know, some pretty serious musicians helped us out. We hired a re- some really great horns. And uh, um, I produced the album, but it was... It was with uh, Jimmy McGorman, the keyboard player, and Brad Fernquist, the guitar player, and who are both very educated musicians, and uh, I am not. So, but those guys have been playing in rock bands uh, for so long. So it became a situation where, say there was a horn player or a stand-up bass player or something comes in, um, I could say to them, no, I want to hear the horns go, ba da ba and they would be like okay cool and then they would explain it to the horn player you know and then uh yeah nine times out of ten it came back the way the way i i wanted it so um they were brad and uh jimmy were very much uh interpreters to the what i call the real musicians in the room. <laughs> was it hard to sort of pull together rock sort of allergy to sentimentality when writing songs for a holiday that is as sentimental as Christmas? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the, the one original song, well, there's two originals on the album, but um, the one original is called This Is Christmas, which is very sentimental, you know? And uh, I, just, I just thought the one line, I, I mean, I just thought that song could really resonate this year particular just because this has just been such a shitty can i say that yeah yeah absolutely okay okay uh i yeah, said it's worse been, it's just such it's been such a shit show and um you know and at the time of year where everybody needs to be closest to each other wants to be closest to each other we're being told that we have to isolate a bit you know and and uh so it's going to be really hard and, um, you know, a lot of people have lost their jobs and all that. And that's that there's a line in the song that kind of references. It's like, sing with me softly, you know, because that's all I can give you this year. You know, a lot of people hurting out there in the real world. Yeah, it's cold and it's gray. I'm in love with this day. Cause it's Christmas Yeah, the light in your eyes And the smile on your face Says it's Christmas It's a word or a smile That can change someone's life Or some change in your pocket Just to get through the night Wish on stars above Oh, the ones we love This is Christmas Thousand miles 
focused on one song, one line and I wonder in your songwriting is there like one line does there have to be like one line in a song that you can hone in on sort of emotionally or a line that makes makes sort of is the center of a song when you're when you're writing it um sometimes you know <laughs> you know like I you know I I just feel like whenever it's funny because I other friends who are musicians and I'll call them occasionally and go, I, I don't know how to write a song. I, I, how the hell do you write a song? I don't know how to write a song. And the best answer that I got was nobody really knows how to write a song. You know, it's like, you never know what's going to be good or what's going to be, you know, but things come out. I, I generally have a little bit of music and then I'll have um, like a melody line and I'll mumble along while I'm playing the guitar or, you know, something like that. And then sometimes a line will pop out, you know, and that's, that's kind of, I'm like, Ooh, that's a good line or uh, that's crap. Um, but if it's a good line, you know, I'll chase it down a little bit. And cause I think you kind of like digging at a deeper level. If you go that route, just sure. me, it's no, my opinion. Uh, no, I, I, I hear you. I think I always figure intuition is really just sort of a shortcut through our brain and we don't necessarily know why it makes sense. And we discover later once it's all sort of out. Oh, now yeah. I know why those pieces connect. But while it's happening, it all feels like a mystery. Yeah, it's like you're, you're, you're this far away from it. Yeah. You know? and, uh, and yeah, I've often been standing on a stage playing a song that's five years old or six years old. And then, and then going, Jesus, that that's what I was singing about. <laughs> and it was like, whoa, that's, that's, I was like, Resnick, you're a little bit heavy there. <laughs> yeah, lighten up, man. But, but um, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, I mean, yeah, that, that kind of thing. I like to, I like when things just pop out of thin air, you know, it doesn't sure. always, I mean, if you've been doing this as long as I have, it doesn't always happen. This is not to say that there, there isn't like an inspiration for something, but, I find myself at this point in my career or whatever you want to call it um, that, you know, some, after you get a little bit of inspiration, you have to get out the hammer and the nails and the saw and just start working, you know? And um, yeah, sometimes that gets a little hard and I, I put it down when it's not right. How long did it take to nail this one down? This one came very quickly because it was, it was, we were, we were all so stoked to be working on something that we felt was going to be so positive and, and hopefully have, um, you know, a, a fun, meaningful effect on people. You know, um, it was really important. I wanted the album to be fun at points and then a little bit sentimental or, or cheesy or whatever in other points, because that's, that's part of Christmas. You know, you just have to, just have to be there for that part and just embrace it you know I, I think um you know I, I just wanted it to sound kind of trashy in that as well so there you know um Chris Chris Zek the engineer of the album and he also mixed it 
and I, we were, we were working a lot on how to figure out how to get those sounds like they did 60, 70 uh, years ago. How do you do it? You know? So, so that was kind of an interesting challenge. Yeah. You know, we wound up using a lot of old recording equipment and, and, and old recording techniques. And, and it was, it was really, it was really fun. It's really fun. Was this album on the docket when 2020 started? No, no, actually I was recording one song for a compilation of some sort. And then, um, and then when the pandemic hit and we were, it was kind of like here in Los Angeles in this kind of really interesting, like in March and April, it was like Los Angeles almost seemed like post-apocalyptic, you know? And uh, it, it was just, it's just crazy driving down the 101, you know, 80 miles an hour, no traffic. You know? ah, 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 that's unimaginable. That was the biggest thing. Los Angeles is an amazing city when there's nobody here. <laughs> but it, it's, uh, you know, but it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. You know, one thing I've been thinking about is, you know, here in New Orleans, there's been a lot of concern, and I'm sure, like everywhere, I'm sure in Los Angeles as well, you know, if musicians can't work, they obviously can't get paid. But one of the things I've been thinking a lot about and talking to musicians about is just at a basic level, before getting paid, just how important it is to simply play and how important it is to simply do the thing you do. And I wonder yeah. to what extent working on this project was just simply a way to get back to work regardless of what yeah. comes next. Yeah, well, it was... It was um... It was it was it was really therapeutic, you know. I mean, doing this record because it was like, you know, we had a small group of people. We all got our we all went to the doctor and got our COVID test, and then we all kind of, you know, went to the hotel, came back to the hotel, came back, um, you know. And it was it was just to be surrounded by talent at that level. The guys who came in, you know, played with us. Um, you know, the, the people that came in and sang with us and just all that. And it, it, it was, it was inspirational. It was really uplifting, you know, and, uh, you know, yeah, it definitely, it definitely helped me. I mean, the idea, the idea behind the whole album is that this has been a really shit year and I just hope people listen to it. Um, and they just forget about their troubles, even if it's just for one, one song. All right. You know, other thing I was thinking about in, in that is that at a basic level, in a time as crazy as this, one of the things I've always believed is that work is normalizing. That, Absolutely. And, uh, and I would imagine just simply being able to go back and be in a studio playing and talking to the people you talk to about the things you talk about had to, at some level, be really good for your brain. Oh, yeah, it's totally good for my brain. It's totally good for me, you know. And um, it just felt like there was. Um, I felt like I was laying the groundwork for the light at the end of the tunnel. It, does that make any sense? Because I, I just, I just sort of it. It made me, it made me feel a little bit more hopeful about what was going to come in the future, you know, as as opposed to just everything being shut down forever and not being able to go out on tour and, you know, you know, obviously, you know, not making 
any money. That sucks, but you know, um, but you know, yeah. And just being in, in process or whatever you want to call it, uh, was very, very therapeutic. If you want some candy, I'll bring you the candy. Shake hands with Santa Claus. I love you, I love you, and I'm gonna bring some candy and flowers and everything. Berries are pleasing when they out of season. Shake hands with Santa Claus. I love you, I love you, and I'd walk a mile to bring you the berries and watch you smile. Oh, just to share a love like yours, miracles I So I have to ask, why uh, Louis Prima's uh, Shake Hands with Santa Claus? Um, well, what was very interesting that I found out, I always thought Louis Prima was from New York because when you're in New York with your, with your, with your buddies from Staten Island, you know, you, you hear these Louis Prima songs, you just assume he's from New York, you know, uh, you know, cause he's Italian, but he's from new Orleans. And, yep. uh, I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting. And I was like, wow, you know, it's really cool. Louis Prima, um, had a lot of Christmas songs and, uh, they're just not a lot. They're not remembered a lot, you know, anymore, at least not where I live. It's not the go-to, you know, you got your, you know, you got your big three, Bing Crosby, Dean Martin, you know, right. Andy Williams, I guess, you know, um, but, but Louis Prima's songs were just really just so frenetic and, um, and a lot of the innuendo in the songs are just so great, you know? Um, I just thought that song was fun, you know? Yeah. So and with that, and also in your, the Christmas party, the, the medley at the end that yeah. you sort of go towards swing music. And yeah. one of the things I wondered was, was that simply dictated by the material or by the history of Christmas music that swings? Or is swing just sort of a safe place for rock and rollers to go? Nah, wow, that's, that's, wow. I mean, I mean well, every, everybody I, loves their attitude. Every rock and roll guy loves the attitude of, of Dean and Rat Pack and yeah. Prima. Yeah. Like, they're the guys who, no matter, all, all punks, eventually connect to Louis Prima at some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I was just blown away by all the, uh, the the great musicians that we got to work with us. So, and the last song that was going to be on the record was Hark the Herald Angels Sing. But then I thought, wow, that's a depressing song. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so, I said, so, so I went to Jimmy and Brad and I was, I had a whole bunch of Christmas songs, you know, that we didn't get to, you know, that were, and I was like, can we turn this into a medley, just an instrumental medley? Let's get the horn guys and, and the bass player back in and, you know, um, and like, let's, let's make a medley, like just like a fun party kind of thing. So you know, we got everybody together. I couldn't believe that Jimmy and Brad pulled it together, but so it was really fun. And the references that were made to each song uh, as it went along. And I just, I, I had become obsessed 
with um, um, there was a, a documentary called The Jazz Loft. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. And, and I just watched that, watched it, and watched it, and I was just like, man, I wonder, could you could you capture that kind of environment? You know, could you, or at least do like theater of the mind, like a, like a, like a radio play or something like that, that would, that would catch that kind of vibe. So at the end of, so at the end of, um, Hark, if you listen very closely, you can hear these footsteps and you go from this very somber reflective moment into the other element of Christmas, which is just, okay, let's get drunk and have a party. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, and that was great. And it was just, it was so much fun to watch these guys pull this crazy piece of music off. And, uh, and it ends on such a, such a positive note. You also you did uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks Christmas Don't Be Late, obviously without Alvin and Chipmunks. Why did you yeah. choose that one? That Robbie chose that one. Okay, that was that was the song that Robbie wanted to do. Um, you know, which I think is a great song. I mean, I, I think it's great. I was like, come on, man, do the Chipmunk. You know, everybody, <laughs> you know, we'll just we'll do the math and we'll figure it out, and then you know. But uh, you know, it, it, I, I think. I thought it was really interesting because we were we were looking up like um, just scouring through the internet and you know talking to a few people and a lot of that a lot of that music was done um, well later cartoon music a lot of it in the '60s and that was done with Mellotrons because they were very low budget they didn't, they didn't have any money so you know you play a Mellotron um, and we did we did a lot of that on a on a Mellotron. Oh wow! So it was kind of in, it was really cool to uh, to mess around with it, you know. And then you know you added we added other instruments to it, but but the real the kind of the basis of it was just getting all these crazy sounds out of a Mellotron and a Whirly. And, you know. How hard was it to get the Mellotron in tune? Um, not hard at all. Oh, okay. not hard. Not as hard as I thought it was going to be, but. It drifts. <laughs> it's it's a drifter. <laughs> Christmas, Christmas time is near. Time for toys and time for cheer. We've been. Good. 
Now that you're done, do you have plans for that, or do you now have two albums that you can't tour? Uh, I now have two albums that I can't tour, <laughs> uh, and I'm working on a third right now, um, which is, you know, I'm, I'm just collecting ideas for it right now. Um, you know, and and sort of, sort of, it was fun to put on the Santa suit or the little elf's costume and uh and go in and do something that 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 really kind of felt like it had a bigger purpose you know like i really i really felt like i like yeah there's a lot of christmas records coming out this year I, i'm sure but you know there's just i just i just wanted to do something that i felt was special to me and you know and also to have something that that would be around for my daughter right you know have you considered doing something like you know, thinking about like a live, a, sort of a live stream Christmas show uh, later in the uh, later in the season. So, so there is like yeah, at least have. there is like one live expression of this music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, we're doing it. We're doing it. Oh, excellent. It's all all in the works right now. And uh, your cat came to visit. Yes, my cat has been here. My cat's been laying beside me the whole time here. So, nice. I nice. I have my uh, my setup is here in my uh, in the front of my house, so I can look outside. Uh, while I'm working, but of course that's also her place to go and, and sit in the sun. So, yeah, yeah. So she's yeah. now joining all Zoom meetings. So very good, so. very good. Well, John, I really appreciate the time. This has been great. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, and uh, be safe. All right, you too. All right, have a good day. Bye. Thanks to John Resnick for the time and the talk. You can find the Goo Goo Dolls on Facebook. And you can also let me know what you thought of this episode at 12 Songs of Christmas. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That helps others find out about 12 Songs and make sure you don't miss any of the cool interviews we have coming up this season. Thanks as usual to AF The Naysayer for our theme music. And thanks to you for listening. We'll finish with one more from It's Christmas All Over. This is the title track, which was originally performed by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Talk to you next week. One, two.